It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> So it's just me and you here, Brian, today. We've been let down by a few other pundits. So unfortunately for an All-Ireland quarterfinal, it's just you are the only expert here and then it's me. So I'm going to have to try and pretend to be an expert today as well, which is going to be a complete Loose disaster. Use of the word expert now as well, Molly. <laughs> Thanks very much. So both beaten provincial finalists got back in the mix. Kilkenny shocked us all. Um, by beating Cork which was uh, a really good display by them in the second half and Leash obviously, or Tipperary obviously beat Leash which nobody would be surprised about but some people might be a little bit surprised that Leash got within 10 points of them so like I mean maybe that's where we'll start um, with Leash putting in a, a very good performance I didn't think they'd stay within 10 of Tipperary I don't know about you Um I did. I, I thought in around eight to ten points, I thought would have been the defeat. I thought, like obviously, Leash had massive momentum coming into this game. They were going to set up and be difficult playing a, an extra defender back there. And I suppose the most impressive thing over the Dublin game uh, was their use of the ball, and they continued to do that yesterday. Even when they were ten points down yesterday, um, they continued with their short pokeouts and working the ball up through the lines and drew fouls and kept themselves in the game. And obviously, not really challenging enough to actually warrant that they were going to win the game but yeah. I think that, and you've heard Eddie talk about this they stayed with the process you know I know we don't like to get too caught up in technical terms and, and, and jargon and all that but they did like and you have to give them credit for that and under extreme pressure and, and as I keep saying they, their use of that ball was top class yeah, we we like. I mean, I was very disappointed last night for the, well, not last night because I watched it this morning. And though you don't like to be too critical of the Sunday game, but they just did a report on an All Ireland quarter final, which I thought was incredible. For and I thought it was disrespectful to Leash after getting there. They should have been given the same billing as Kilkenny and Cork. Like I mean, there was no sense of the great start Leash made. You know what I mean? Scoring four points in the opening eight minutes, they got the score at half time wrong in the report. Said they were five down when they were four. And like, I mean, just for to be in an All-Ireland quarterfinal, be the second game in Croke Park um, and to only get two minutes on the highlight show that night. I think, you know, I don't think that's good enough. I don't know why they did it. And it, it was just bad form because like, I mean, Leash could have been dead and buried in the game, Brian. Like, I mean, two goals in four minutes for Tipperary and they fought back to put four in it at halftime, that Ross King goal. Like, I mean, I personally, I think when you throw in they did a lap of honour. The, the whole crowd was behind Leash. I actually think Leash's performance, funnily enough, was almost the story of the day outside of Patrick Horgan. It was maybe the second story of the day. Yeah. No, look, I have to start with, with your first point. I do think it was a disgrace as well. It's, it's extremely bad taste. Um, I don't know what warranted 
um, the report style that they, they've reduced last night because yeah. they had they had done the, the full match themselves and they had full commentary. So it's just hugely disrespectful to Leash um, when they're not obviously seen as, as, as one of the elite teams. I can't... You're just scratching your head at it. And as you said, factor in the Leash crowd yesterday because every so often... Um, you could hear the leash crowd come, you know, with their chant, leash, 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 but only for them because, like, it was, it was just like the tip fans didn't really travel, and you know, it was going to be a, a dead rubber game like we often see with the football games up in Crow Park where there's very little atmosphere. So, you know, in fairness to the leash crowd and and the performance uh, to to marry those two things together, I thought it was hugely disrespectful. And as you said, on top of all that, it's an All Ireland quarter final. Where in the would you ever see that with any other county? Yeah, and it, it can't be. But uh, it's a reflection, really, on their attitude towards leash hurling. I think. Yeah, like, uh, their attitude towards any hurling outside of the glamour counties, by the looks of things, um, to me. And some people are saying to me on Twitter, I was giving out about this. Oh, well, it, the full game was shown on TV, but sure, that argument makes no sense. Sure, so was Kilkenny Cork, and that wasn't yeah. done a report on that. And the problem with the leash game, it it, it clashed with Kerry Mayo. So there's an awful lot of GA fans that might have had an interest in that leash uh, Tipperary story but there would be more football people like I mean of course people would have wanted to watch the extended highlights of that game you know and it was clashing between Kerry Mayo with Kerry Mayo which was arguably the biggest game of the whole day in either code you won't agree yeah. with that <laughs> <laughs> I know no in fairness no you have to agree you have to give it no it was obviously Kerry Mayo was savage but like, as you said people were entitled to see and I, look, the, the head scratcher for me is that I actually had done commentary on it. And so there was no need for that style of report. It's only drawn criticism yourself that there's, there's no need for it. Especially, like, people are more vocal now than ever between uh, pundits uh, with their columns or, or Twitter, obviously, is a huge medium for that. So, you know, uh, RT and, and the Sunday game in particular has taken a lot of slack over the last while. So I just don't understand why they would draw that criticism on themselves. Yeah, I don't either. So the Aaron Dunphy red card um, kind of pretty much put this game to bed. Um, he was playing really, really well. Um, I think Leach were only four down at that stage maybe four or five and you know for the, the best forward on that day to go off it was a huge hammer blow 14 med against a team like Tip that was Leash's chance gone I think it was a terribly harsh red um, I think it was a playful Tip get off me you know don't be grabbing me I think Paddy Marr really when he looks at himself in the mirror will say he did himself no favours this is, this is a, a monster of a man a warrior of a fella he's put Joe Canning to the ground with a shoulder for him to go down like that like I mean that was I thought that was terrible to see and he almost fell down like he'd gotten it in the balls do you know what I mean because I don't think Eddie Brennan says the referee didn't see it so Paddy made it look so much worse than it was yeah, I have to agree with you. And I, if I was Paddy Marr waking up this morning, I'd be extremely disappointed in myself. I don't know if he is or not, but it, it really annoys me. Um, you know, you contrast that with Richie Hogan's belt that he took off Big yeah. Cooper and Richie just jumped back up onto his seat. Like for Paddy, as you said, he's a warrior. He's a big physical guy. He prides himself on his physicality. Like his biceps are bulging out through the jersey. He was the aggressor for starters in this, so he was being the bully, yeah. um, you know, forcing himself into to, to Aaron Dunphy and then to lie down with a bit of a slap. Now, he might have caught him a bit in the knee and, look, people want to go letter to law and they'll say that, um, oh, it's striking and all this rubbish. Like, come on now, folks. Like, it'll it'll, it'll just end up with the game of Tiddlywinks at that, at that case. Like, I, I just I just think that was a disgraceful decision. And, uh, like, it did not reflect well on Paddy Mar in particular. It looked like it was the linesman, Johnny Murphy, that yeah. made the call more so than Colin Lyons. Now, I, I didn't... Colin Lyons came in for a lot of flack about his performance, and, and I, I think rightly so. I think he was very whistle-happy, but it did look like Johnny Murphy was the man making a name for himself with this sending off. I think Paddy should have, shouldn't have reacted the way he did, um, and he should have jumped up a lot quicker than, than, than the way he did and lay down, because, you know, what annoys me, as I say, and I already said this, I hate when, when people are, you know, digging you you know, being bullying and aggressive and then when they get slapped they lie down. Yeah, that's why that they're doing it. One, See, that's, that's why they're doing worst. it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I hate it though. There, I, don't, I don't count that as manly at there all. Is, no, but there is another, I suppose, like, I mean, without being uh, too pro-leash, like Aaron Dunphy's probably learned a, a good lesson in this, yeah. in that that kind of provocation goes on at the top level and flicking back your hurl while I thought it was in a harmless kind of manner, you're putting yourself in that red card category then. So Aaron's not completely, like, you know, he shouldn't do it and he shouldn't allow somebody trying to get under his skin. You know, he shouldn't react like that, even though we do see top level players reacting like that as well. 
Yeah, of course we did. Sure, like we'd something um, similar enough, and we debated on this show um, with Seamus Harnady um, and James Barry in the in the league oh, down yeah. in Parky Rin. That was a lot worse. So, you know, you can. It was worse because of where he caught him. He did. He did seem to catch him um, in the private. So that seemed to be a lot worse. So, but but you know, it's it's still the essence of flicking back after after you know. Yeah. Um, you know, someone probably being uptight with you or whatever. So, uh, you know, you're you're right. Look, and I've done it myself, obviously, um, and, and got caught too. Uh, you know, there, you need to learn from it, as you said, Aaron Duffy. It's a harsh lesson, but I still don't think it was a right card, you know. Yeah, me neither. Eddie Brennan was pretty livid about it. He said, for me, and I made no qualms about it, I think there was a level of guesswork involved. I've seen it inside, and yes, there was a coming together, a whip back of the hurl. I think we see that all the time, though, which is pretty much what we're saying saying here, you know. Like, I mean, uh, you just be very, very, you feel hard done by in a big game in Croke Park. I think Michael Breen got a late red as well. He got, that was for two yellows. Personally, I don't think there was much wrong with what he did for his second yellow. Like, I mean, I'm sure the Tipperary players were told, if I think that was Paddy Purcell, when he's going on one of his slaloming runs, make sure you meet him with a shoulder. And like, Breen definitely rattled him. Paddy Purcell jumped back up. Like, I mean, I didn't think there was much in that either, even for a yellow. Yeah, but but you see them given more more times than not because the ball was gone, you know. So, but I appreciate what you're saying too. He just stood his ground and and yeah. person more ran into him than than Breen, um, burying him, you know. That's how it seems. But yeah. You do, yeah, you do, you do see them given, particularly the way the game is refereed now. So I wasn't surprised to see that being yellow. Right. Okay. What did you make of the leash lap of honour at the end? Uh, mixed emotions um, <laughs> in that look I no not no I don't mean that way I mean like you get it you get it that like the leash crowd that were there were fantastic that day it was as much the players I think going around um, being appreciative of, of their fans and obviously uh, the play, or the fans can't get onto the ground like they were able to in a more park and show their appreciation in a, in a one-to-one situation with the players um, so I kind of get it from that perspective at first my initial reaction was like oh look you know that's maybe a little bit much, but in hindsight, no, I, I do get it, and I think it was, um, it was, you know, as I said, it's more about trying to give a bit of recognition back to the fans and see that connection. It's good because all in all, even though they were beating my ten points yesterday, I think it, they've been the, the story of the summer, and it's, um, you know, been quite good for Lee Hurling. But there's one point I want to make, and, and going away from that, and um, I just think the lead up to this game, I think it's been hugely disrespectful to Leash in that trying to make out that this victory over Dublin was on like almost up there with awfully stopping Kerry in eighty two or Antrim beating um uh, awfully in eighty nine. Like it wasn't a win on that um level at all. Like Leash Hurland's way above that. Um, that uh, that it seemed to be such an, a shock yeah. that they, God forbid, the, could be Dublin. Yeah, but they, like al- Dublin, they almost went to the Christie Ring last year. I think it's in that context. You know, Leash Hurling hasn't been going well. Yeah, but it, but anyone, I, I understand it didn't go well in that particular year. But like anyone that's close to Leash Hurling knows that it is better than that. And like, look, Cheddar obviously is a man that's there to call face, and he brought respectability, massive respectability, back towards Leash Hurling yeah. when they were in the dol- I think they were in the doldrums then. I think they had a, just a particularly bad year last year. Um, but they've lots of hurlers and they've had decent underage success as well. So I just think it's been hugely disrespectful. And on top of that, I don't think Dublin, you know, they weren't one of the top three or four teams in the country. You know, like they obviously had a really good Leinster campaign, but their big performances were in Parnell Park. Um, and I, I just think like it was their arrogance that undone them in the end going down to Port Leash. So I just, I just didn't, I just think it was a little bit disrespectful towards Leash the way they built that up. Yeah, maybe me and I, I think the lap of honour was a nice thing yesterday, but I wouldn't like to see that next year. I think Leash need to build on that. And where, yeah, I from, agree. From, agree from, yeah, from where they came from this year, I think that's a, that was a nice thing. But I do think Eddie'll get them back in and go. Let's set our sights a little bit higher next year now and not have Tipperary clapping us after beating us. Do you know, like I. Yeah. I there's a, an element of it I didn't like, but there, there's a lot more about it I did like, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, so. no, that, that's exactly, exactly the way I was. How, so just, just to finish up on Leash, um, Brian, because we talked after the Joe McDonough Cup final and you thought the, that the standard of that te- those teams were way off the, mm. the top teams. Um, it's not, I'm not pulling you up on that or anything, but no, I'm, no, I'm, just yeah. wonder, I'm just wondering how far Leash are off it now. Because, like, I mean, you look at the players not involved, Kieran Collier, Joe Campion, Lee Bergen, Sean Downey, Catter Healy. Like, that's one, two, three, four, five. And I talked with Cheddar about this, and Cheddar thinks all five would be on the starting team. Like, I mean, can Leash build on this and, you know, 
be a match for some of these players. They play a lovely brand of hurling. They don't give a ball the ball away too cheaply, and they seem to have a good management team. Like, could could they come up and like be more competitive than Offaly and Carlo were in the last couple of years? Um, they can. They certainly can. But again, look if you just look at the fixtures and the call light today, I still think they'll struggle to win a game next year. Like, if assuming the fixtures will be the flip of this year. Um, you know they're they're going to have to they're going to have to travel to Parnell Park. You know that'll be their their big one, and they're going to have to. Um, they've only Galway at home, and they've uh, Wexford at home, so they're going to have to travel to Nolan Park and to Parnell Park. So it's just very hard to see how they can actually get a you know yeah. a win next year as well. And I, I like I don't want to be taken from them. It's just I just think it's stacked against them. It's, it's very very difficult. It's a huge ask. Now, of course they're going to be. I think they'll be massively competitive. I think. Carlo were massively competitive this year um, and obviously it's opened up this whole debate of, of whether there should be six teams in Leinster yeah it looks like there will uh, be it, now it look, you see yeah and it, it, and in my opinion yeah there should be you know I just I, I probably don't like the fact that uh, I've, I've been saying this for two years now and it's nothing got to do with Offaly Hurling I just feel the top teams um, and particularly Munster they've, you know they've just climbed the ladder and, and, or, and pulling it up after them they don't really care what happens counties outside of the elite um, counties so that that annoys me and uh, it's no good for for um hurling in these counties you know Leash, Westmead, Carlow, Offaly, Kerry all these they're very proud Antrim obviously as well thrown in there very proud hurling counties and I just while the John McDonough has its merits there's probably six teams I think there on I know Leash were excellent this year um, but there's six teams more or less could be anyone could beat anyone in any given day yeah yeah exactly right I was tweeting yesterday after Kilkenny beat Cork and I said you just can't beat the magic of the Leinster Hurling Championship like I mean we get criticised on the show here I have to tell you of being a bit too Leinster uh, biased (laughs) so we had to bring Brendan Bugler up last Thursday um, maybe to balance out a bit it's just a lot of all the pundits in Leinster are obviously near Dublin and it's easier for them to come in it's not it's not a matter of bias and it said tongue in cheek as well but like I mean there's probably the argument that a Munster Hurling Championship is better supported, it's more glamorous, it's higher scoring, potentially, but that doesn't mean it's better than the Leinster Championship. Is that fair? I think it's fair. Um, yeah, def- uh, definitely this year anyway. Um, I think maybe for a couple of years, maybe Wexford, Dublin, Offaly, Wharton at the at the pitch of, of where it needs to be. Kilkenny were hugely dominant. Um Galway were playing second fiddle for a while now. Obviously, Galway are one of the, the stronger counties. Um, well, they have an asterisk, I suppose, attached to them when it comes to Leinster Hurling. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the traditionals, I think Dublin, obviously, and, and Wexford have picked it up significantly. I think uh, Carlow and Leash have, have risen over the last couple of years. That's fantastic to see. I don't think they deserve to be left out on the, on the outside because of that. Um, because ultimately, these are decisions made in... Central Council, essentially, you know, they're being made by delegates, um, and it's it's elitism. Like we keep saying this, and I t- personally, I think we see the same in the Super Eights. You know, it's it's all about making sure the top teams are playing regularly for for TV and for maximum exposure. You know, gates, receipts, and all those sort of things, um, but it's not for the greater good. Um, you know, you're right. It's tongue in cheek for sure. How many years have we been listening about how great Munster Hurling is? So when we get an opportunity, we're of course <laughs> we're going to crow about Leinster Hurling. So I make I make no apologies about that to anybody. Yeah, and in fairness, well, we were all tipping Cork here last week, so it was just the brilliance of Kilkenny. And we'll talk about this in part two. Just never being beaten and just bloody, you know, having that will to win that no other county has like them. It's incredible. Two beautiful pieces of skill yesterday. Uh, sublime was the Noel McGrath pass for Callanan and. I, the control from Callanan was just as sublime and the finish from Callanan was just as sublime. So while Noel McGrath kind of gets the the headlines for the unbelievable pass, it almost overshadows what Callanan did from there on. Yeah, like, oh, look, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. Like, McGrath's vision, we've, we rave about that all the time. But we really saw it yesterday. To strike that pass, you know, 60 metres like like a laser but as you said like Cannon's touch to do that like look every hurler has that in their locker don't get me wrong you know if you're playing in the county hurling of course you have it but to be able to do it in Crow Park you know in an yeah. iron quarter final like and, and don't for one second be disrespectful and say again, only against Leach it doesn't matter that was savage yeah. just to be able to take that on the run control it you know 
push into your man, pull back out again, which you see all good forwards doing, and, and rifle into the bottom corner. Like, that was just a fantastic outrageous. finish. Like, he is he is six goals now in six games, a goal a game. Like, this is phenomenal. Like, you know, Shamie Callan, people were saying last year he was finished. Sheedy came in, made him captain. People were saying, what is he doing? Oh, he's, you know, he's he's going back for one of the old guards. Shamie's nearly finished. Oh my God! Is he repaid Sheedy for fair, in fairness to him? Like he he has to be up there. If Tipperary go on to get to an All Ireland final, he has to be in, in the run for her earlier year. Yeah, no, definitely. And Patrick Horgan's catch and goal um, probably overshadowed it because you can talk to me about this catch because for me, having caught a few tennis balls in my day, not so many <laughs> slitters. <laughs> um, it's almost physically impossible to catch it coming over someone's shoulder because your hand is pointing down, right? So how did he do it? Yeah, he just got it at the right time. It was brilliant because Hugh Lawler, obviously, he, he loves to attack high balls. He, he obviously prides himself in that and he usually gets up off the ground and makes it impossible then for the man he's marking to actually get anywhere near him because he's so tall on top of, he's leaping up and like up and off the ground. But uh, in that particular instance, he was obviously static and he was standing and he was kind of backpedaling a little bit. But, but Harvin just like picking his almost picking something out of his ear like yeah, picking a pocket like pocket, it was just yeah. unbelievable like to be able to catch it like that and then to show that composure um, with two and three around him and he showed a brilliant thing and I remember being taught this at a young age from a coach here um, in, in my own club it's not about always lifting the net out of it you know just pick your place and 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 place it into it. And again, we had this debate about Shamie Callan a couple of weeks ago with Nicky Quaid. You know, if you pick your place properly, um, you don't have to letter, you know, letter the ball. And, and like, there was not no Murphy could do about it in that situation. Yeah, there was almost a feel of the Aussie Gleeson one when he went on the great run. You know, that kind of a, just a little yeah, tapped yeah, in yeah. finish that's gone kind of past him. Um, it was great to see Richie Hogan back, wasn't it? Like, I mean, any hurling supporters would love to, to have seen him. He scored one too. The pure Richie Hogan, he was absolutely livid coming off after 50 it's minutes. On it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's a classic. Now, he had scored one too. Now, uh, in fairness to Brian Cody, he's minding him. I'm sure you'd say, Richie, yeah. I'm only minding you. You're only back. I oh, for God's sake, Brian. Like I say, he's just yeah. kind of given don't out. Richie. Yeah, don't don't take me off when I'm playing yeah. well. Now the substitution actually no. it worked out well because the lads uh, the lads came on inside were full of running. But I know you've just already mentioned it. Like I mean, the hit he took from Bill Cooper. Like if Richie Hogan wanted to, he could have got Bill Cooper almost sent off for that because there was a, you know the kind of a head yeah. high tackle. There's an element of danger to that, and a couple of rolls around the ground and Bill Cooper. That's not in Richie Hogan. He got straight up. He reckons he, he obviously wasn't hurt enough to stay down, got straight up. We don't see that enough anymore in hurling our football. And I thought the funny thing about it was Bill Cooper stayed down injured. Do you know those kind of ones, Brian? Yeah, and we, and it looked we, like Bill Cooper was nearly trying to avoid the car. Well, that's it. We've all, we've all, we've all yeah. done it. So you do something dirty or dangerous and you know, you're, you know you're waiting on a yellow and you stay down and you might say to the physio, is he, is he still around there? Is, he, is the referee lurking around? <laughs> <laughs> we all knew what Bill Cooper was doing there yesterday. Yeah, but no, look, for the Richie thing, I think this is why... Any neutral out there loves Kilkenny, right? And I've no problem in saying that. Even though I'm a, a staunch Joffrey man, I do. I love their their honesty, their humility, their aggressiveness, and just their their manliness, essentially. Because you know we have to say that it was for me. It was reminiscent of when Tommy Walsh took the slap in the 2009 All Ireland. Benny Dunn was only after coming on as a sub, and he pulled head high straight across Tommy's head. Tommy went down initially, obviously with almost the fright of the belt, but jumped up straight away you know and just that's not the way to do business in Kilkenny and yeah. obviously that comes from Cody and it comes from in-house matches that they play you just get on with it and I love that and I think anyone as I said any neutral out there you can't but applaud that and have respect for that so I think that's been ingrained in Richie for a long long time that just doesn't happen overnight so I think that's you know, a mark of respect to the way Kilkenny go about their business. Yeah, definitely. Like, so, you, you, fair play to them. Yeah, and you compare, you obviously contrast that Hogan yeah. reaction to Paddy Ma reaction, which, you know, was just chalk and cheese. There's no two ways about and it. He's but not like Paddy though either, and that's probably the most disappointing part of it because, as we said, he's such a warrior and he takes such massive belts and yeah. gives them out, and it's just disappointing to see it. Be honest. Yeah, know? no, definitely. Just before we finish up and go into part two. Um, Brian, there was two black card fouls in the Kilkenny game. Like Cork are trying to get back into the game. Like the, the Cork obviously went to sleep. We'll talk about this in part two. And then they hit one three without reply to get right back in the game. There was two or three in it. And they were having attacks 
and they were running at, at goal and there was one from Paddy Deegan and then an even worse one from Joey Holden. Now, I know we've talked about this before, but this is going to have to be legislated for in hurling that you can't be getting just taking a yellow card for completely messing up a breakaway potential goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, I think they're going to have to look at something different because, look, hurling people are dead against the black card for starters. Like, you know, we don't want to see players being taken off. And I know you can argue the merits of this and they're pulling down, but there has to be some sort of sanction at the same time. And I agree with you. Like, you see, maybe we can learn something from other games. You see in Aussie rules, if the 50 metre mark, uh, you know, or rule, where if someone causes some infringement like that, it's just automatically move 50 metres. Yeah. You know, do we say if it's inside the, the 45 and the, and the referee deems it's a, he's stopping a, a goal scoring opportunity, you know, is it automatically a penalty or something like that and your yellow card? Something like that that's just going to eradicate that from the game whatsoever. It might be, it might sound ridiculous, but it won't be long about changing the way uh, teams go about their business. You no. know, if that's the rules when they come in, it will eradicate it from your game very quickly. Yeah, now, I, I remember us talking about this specific thing a couple of times. Like, this is how often this is happening. You know, this yeah, is a really this is yeah. a start yeah, yeah. of the show talking point on a, on a few different occasions this year. So, like, I mean, I do think at the end of this year, maybe it's something they're going to look at. because I, I, Yeah, I, th- I think they need to look at it. But I think, look, as I said, I think hurling people are, are straight away were against the black card. So I don't think that will fly. Yeah. Um, no. We don't want that. We don't want that creeping into our game. Um, I just think if you have a measure like that, it's a penalty that I just don't think you'll see it in the game anymore. You yeah. know, because you're still seeing black cards, you know, essentially. And that's why we're always still debating them, you know. So um, I think only in desperate situations will we see those type of pull downs. They're those real deliberate pull downs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Right. Great stuff. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Kilkenny Cork game. I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and hit a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I, All I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there I don't know it was, it was pure luck no in fairness pure luck I had fucking bullshit as you see yourselves Okay, so Kilkenny 2-27, Cork 3-18, Brian. And how do you describe a team that played so well in the first half, Cork, and should have been more up at half-time, missed some goal chances and played most of the good hurling and put an in lovely ball into a two-man full forward line who were running amok. How can they go into the dressing room half-time and lose their mojo to the extent that the game was practically over 15 minutes after half-time? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's... it's and obviously the huge criticism in Cork now is that they're soft again you know yeah. it's coming back to but is that completely wrong oh I don't think so either because what did Kenny do they brought it into a battle they increased their physicality they started to win their one-on-one situations you know Cody I only can only assume you know, ran the hairdryer treatment uh, on these half hour line in particular, start winning, you know, their puck outs. They don't, I know they hit the odd sharp puck out, but, you know, if they go Ruth One and Walter Walsh and, and TJ Reid, you know, it's up to them to win it at the same time. Um, and they just start to, to win those one on one battles all over the field. And look, you keep saying, if you listen to Brian Cody and if you read his comments this morning, he says the same thing over and over again. And I don't think he's trying to fool anyone. He talks about the complete honesty of his players. He talks about his players taking responsibility yeah. on the field, playing what's in front of them. He doesn't look for the credit. As he said, in Crow Park, you can't get a huge amount of messages out onto the field. So players have to hurl what's in front of them. And he has huge trust in his players. And if you do take the starting 15 in for, for Kilkenny, you know that you're there on merit because you've gone through the trenches, essentially. Um so there's that ultimate trust and that's built up over time I think essentially and you know you talk, we talk about this manliness the way they play their hurling and all that you know so it's, it's been built up over years and it's you know it's this it's an, it's an eternal cycle obviously Cody's been there now for, for 20 odd years um, so the things his key messages have never changed and, and I suppose that aspect of hurling for all the tactics in the world um, you know that doesn't change either and even we saw that with Patrick Horgan's interview last week um, prior to the match he was talking about you know all the video analysis in the world but when you go out and crawl park it's you against your man and, and no video is going to help you then so you know it is amazing you know that 
prime, primeval, that, you know, essential, that man-on-man battle in hurling is still so important. Yeah, no, it is. I read those comments from Cody and I thought they were interesting. He says, in Croke Park, it's not communication from the sideline or anything like that. It's players taking on responsibility and doing whatever it takes as they see things unfolding. Their willingness to, to keep going and keep going. They were the things that essentially swayed it for us today. So, like, I mean, Conor Fogarty is a lot of people picking out the the tactic of Conor Fogarty maybe dropping a little bit off his man and covering space. Um, and like, I mean, he was marking Lehan and Daniel Carney. It probably wasn't the smartest thing to do to be dropping off those two players. But like, is Conor Fogarty? Do you think just doing this? as he sees the lads inside running amok and going, geez, I, bu- I must drop back here, there's pressure. Because like, I do take the point that players on the field, the leaders, can spot these problems way before a manager, uh, oftentimes. Do you think there's an element of yeah. players just being smart analysts themselves on the, te- on, the, on the field? Definitely, and I know that from my, from my own perspective. It's way easier when you're on the field to see these switches. Yeah. You know, and to see where you need you know, cut out space because you're in the middle of it, you're in the thick of it, and it can be hard because obviously it's at times been up on the sideline and it's not as obvious. And it's it can be hard to get messages across exactly what you want as well. Um, but I what I think Kilkenny did yesterday, and I have to give them I think they went back to being Kilkenny, um, you know, enforcing their will on the way that they played after the initial burst from Cork. They decided, you know, the hallmark of Kilkenny is a strong defence, putting up a wall across that half back line, essentially four and five players there at all times, half forwards dropping deep, huge work rate all over the field. Uh, you know, they are mixing it up a little bit better. You know, they're still not, they're obviously not a slick, short passing team, but they are able to mix it up that little bit better than what they used to be. Um, so, but they're going back to what makes them Kilkenny. I think the one criticism I have against them in that Leinster final is that they were so unlike Kilkenny. Um, they were so concerned with Wexford and they exposed themselves massively at the back at times. Now, I know Wexford forced that on them and you have to give Wexford credit for that as well. But obviously they'd, they'd lost um, what it was like to be Kilkenny and we saw that going down the home stretch essentially. That was our big criticism of Kilkenny. Yeah. So I think you have to give them credit. They went back to what they know best and as you said, maybe guys were being vocal on the field, half back line, calling back Conor Fogarty and, and so on and so forth. So that, that works. You know, you've been involved in teams like that where the players take ownership on the day and start yeah. you know, making the calls and you know you go here and you, you, you trust each other essentially. You know. Yeah, no, like I mean, I do think that there's no better analyst. I think managers should use players a lot more than to do because Definitely. if you're if you're left half back, there's no better person to analyse the breaks in midfield or what midfielders are doing than you because you're standing there staring at them as the kick out. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like you, you, you we're very slow in the GA for that because yeah. you look at other sports like you know the cricket World Cup yesterday. You know the captain more, which in our essence is almost the manager. You know he's in the middle, the take of it, like you know, yeah. and the same you see in the rugby that the, the rugby captain is part of the selection team and, yeah. and makes the calls on the day of the match and all those sort of things. So, you know, we probably were very slow to change that aspect or that dynamic in the GA, I think. But I think it's probably only a matter of time. Probably some of the top teams are implying that. Oh, I think they are. No, they definitely are. I know Jim Gavin absolutely takes feedback from players in on stuff like that. You'd be mad not to. Like, I mean, these you're mad not to. Yeah. You know, they could have some one of the future best analysts in the game standing on the field in the thick of it, and you're deciding you know better. Like, I mean, you, yeah. you need to be have a bit more humility and ask them. But anyway, I I think I do think the Kilkenny players put fires out themselves. I definitely I I do yeah, I, agree, I do yeah. I do agree yeah. with that. But like, I mean, who was oh yeah. Sure, the puckouts were a big thing. It almost shows how how Cork's performance is so directly linked to Nash's puckouts. Because when they were going well in the first half, they were flying it, and then they completely malfunctioned in the second half. Where Anthony Nash, which I couldn't believe, resorted to booming the ball as far down he could down the field, and sure, that's bread and butter for Kilkenny. Yeah, especially because Cork don't have a ball winner. Of yeah, that well, only Harnley. Yeah, he's yeah, the only, only one. Yeah, and, and still, look, you can't put everything down top of him you know no. so um, and we don't know was there something wrong with Aidan Walsh or not because obviously oh, he he's was injured def- yeah. he's yeah, definitely so injured yeah. he's injured yeah so because look that that puts that one to bed um, but you know Cork you know only three other forwards scored the, the, the whole in forward line the whole half forward line was taken off um, Bill Cooper didn't score obviously he went off injured as well so look they just didn't score enough essentially either but as you said it's their ability to win their own ball or the dirty ball um, that that is, is one of their massive problems and it hasn't changed you know I think now they've lost six consecutive matches in Crow Park as well 
you know, so that they're all essentially knockout games when they get there. So they're, they're, they're on a bad roll there. And this is, we talk about being Uncle Kenny, like this is very much uncorked, like, and this softness has crept back into their game again. Um, they definitely need to, to mix it up. They're fantastic hurlers. Um, brilliant, skillful hurlers, but we're just probably not seeing enough of a mix because that's essentially what you need. Going back to the poke out strategies, as you said, I've always been somewhat critical of it because it, it, it is totally dependent on open space and huge movement by the half forward line in midfield. Um, and that's all great. And and it's all great, particularly as you, as you said, and I don't I don't mean this as a slight against Munster Championship, but earlier in the year when those cause gaps are there more often than not. Whereas when you get down to business in the championship, you know, those bases are not available anymore. So you have to be able to mix and match your, your puck out strategy. You have to be able to go along and be able to, to to go with these runners. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. And we see it in football a lot now. So you have a puck out strategy. It's all about movement. And it's all about the players up the field following your decoy runners into areas so that you're going to put it into an area where, you know, demand that it's, yeah. it's for. But in Gaelic football now, they're all going zonal. So we saw the example last night on the Sunday game. I think it was one that was directed at Harnady and Harnady went running out for it. And the two Kilkenny defenders just shifted them off one to the other. They actually didn't run with Harnady. They, yeah. they actually... So say if you're in the half-back line for Kilkenny, like the best thing to do against Cork is to not actually move at all. And the Cork half-forward line can move over and back and they'll end up just running from one over to another and they're, they're going to run towards you rather than you chasing around after them where, and when you're chasing around after them you're going where they want you to go whereas if you hold your position the ball is going to land in, in either right half back left half back or centre half back position so if you don't move you've, you've probably a stronger chance than if you're chasing these lads around all over the place Definitely, and and, and Kilkenny in particular were masters of that down through the year, and it comes back to good communication on the half back line. You know they have they probably have to go with them about five ten meters until they know for definite they're switching. Yeah, then pawn them off. Yeah, and then pawn them off, and then you know you take responsibility for doing this new man. But the only possible way you can be the defender in that situation is on the outside. Then you know to the sideline stage. But you're probably after running, you could be after running from 10, trying to get the whole way across to 12 or 11 over to 12. You've huge yardage to run in that situation. And also with a ball like that, you know, maybe a midfielder or half forwards dropping back as well into that space. So even if you do win it, you know, you could be after running 40 or 50 metres, you're going full tilt and, and you're being pushed and hushed out, you know, away from goal. So even if you did win it, you know, you're, you can be running down a blind alley essentially. So... You're dead right. That communication, that half back line, let them off sometimes. Um, once that communication is there, but if it's not there, it's an awful mess. I've, yeah. I've seen both sides of it as well. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Just on those puckouts again, because when he resorted to the booming ones, because he went short to a couple of times. Sean O'Donoghue, Nyla Leary, uh, Christopher Joyce, Mark Ellis, Steve McDonald, and you know the the thing of when Cork goes short maybe to a defender, they come out running solo on the ball and they try to create the overlap and hand pass over yeah. the head. Kilkenny were so ravenous f- for turnovers. Like, it's probably a risky game against them. Yeah, and it didn't look usually comfortable. Like, Sean O'Donoghue and, and O'Leary in particular didn't look comfortable. Even Mark Ellis at times, you know, they, they, they look shaky. You know, they weren't probably you know, using that ball intelligently enough. And as you said, Dakin Kenny, you know, Richie Hogan got in a couple of blocks early on. He kind of set the tone. Then when the subs came on, you know, their work rate was fantastic. And not only was their work rate fantastic, and this is another key point we need to make, their subs scored six points in play. Yeah. You know, um, Cork, none of their subs scored. Tipperary only got one point from, from their subs. And I don't think Lanny Leash sub scored either. So it just shows on the day for all four teams, the impact of that Kilkenny bench essentially. Yeah, no, it was. Walter Walsh was outstanding when he came on. He got three from play. And Damien Cahillan ended up coming on to mark him after 54 minutes. But that was 20 minutes, maybe a little bit too late. Yeah, true, yeah. And Cahillan's big and he's raw. And, but like, there's obviously something to miss there as well, you know, that, that you know, he's not seen as a, a first choice defender at the moment. So that, yeah. He he's one person that could probably bring that physicality. I know Owen Cadigan obviously brings it, and he's he's a, a wily old fox in there at full back. But um, you'll be thinking that there'd be room for two of them. He played well, Cadigan, but I thought his defending for the Fennelly goal was very poor. Like he's goal side of him, he needs to be stronger there. Fennelly turned him very easily, and then was able to bat it in the goals. But when Fennelly got his ball hand on the ball, you're thinking Cadigan's in a really strong position, position fa- yeah, facing yeah. him. 
you know, his legs square. Fennelly's not going to be a speed demon from a standing position. He's touched height. He just rounded him so easily. Fennelly, in fairness to him, is a bear. Um, he's so strong. But I agree with you. You would be disappointed if you were on Cadigan. He'd be disappointed for himself. He'd expect that you'd stand him up. There's no way to get a strike off. But look, that little... Um, bat down it's a great trick to have in your locker you know if yeah. you were trying to swing the hurl in that situation which you know like that that actual shot wasn't in the game 15 years ago you know maybe even 20 years ago definitely it wasn't in the game you know um, you would have seen 20 years ago you'd have seen people refer to a drop book in that situation right you know, and, and the drop book has gone out of the game completely um, you know and fairness it was Cork actually brought that into the game and Donald O'Grady probably in particular uh, can you and, not hook a drop can you not hook a, a drop book uh, drop hook is just you, it's you never know where the ball's going to go that's the, right. the one thing with a drop hook it depends on the surface then as well, well you, can still, you, you can still be hooked doing that though no because that's the, you, you can know. be hooked yeah you can be hooked but right. like obviously a drop hook in that, you see the reason you do a drop hook in that situation years ago would have been that um, it's just way harder to block down Right. Um, so it's it's hard to get your, it's hard to get a hurl or a leg across the ball. Like you know, any defender will tell you that. Um, if we had JJ here, we'd be able to agree with you. You know, Brian Hawkins scored a famous one years ago. Um, you know, a drop hook into the bottom corner and kick any goal one day. So it, it was a, a kind of a shot that was years ago utilised an awful lot more. But um, as I said, that the baton it was definitely it's a it's a fantastic way to finish and we see players do it an awful lot more and it's it's hugely effective it's very yeah. hard to block down a batted a batted uh, shot oh no it's sure it's impossible because the ball, the bat yeah. the hurley's in front of you you can't be you can't actually be hooked unless they stick it in between the hurl and your face probably yeah. coming in at the side colin fenley since run the subject of him like he scored 1-1 and he had a hand in 1-1 for Richie Hogan, which he dropped one down off the hurl and then batted another one down with his hand, which I hadn't seen before. No, that was brilliant. Yeah, it was great um, great thinking just at that split second, knowing that he's, you know, he couldn't get his hurl up. He was wrestling essentially with um, Cadigan. But what he is brilliant at, and, and this is probably why he's such a handful, he's such a big unit of a man. He's big square man, big shoulders. He's put on huge muscle, obviously, over the years. He can thank the army for that one. He doesn't thank them for a lot, but um, <laughs> I think all his time in the army allowed him to build himself up into that. But he's brilliant at holding the full back behind him. The full back can never get out in front of him. Yeah. Whether the ball comes in low or high, whatever way he's able to do it, he's able to hold him off and, and make life almost impossible. You very, very rarely see a ball being caught off him. And he eventually, or essentially, always breaks the ball down in front of him. So, you know, a good forward sniping around like Richie Hogan knows, no matter what there, whatever way he's going to get you, he's going to break the ball down in front of you. So yeah. that, that's a key thing. You know, Cork defence should know that a little bit better, being honest, because, you know, you never really see that ball breaking in behind um, from Colin Fenley. It's always breaking down in front. Breaking down in front. In fairness, Kilkenny put Porrick Walsh in on Cadigan. Like, I mean, I don't think he made much improvement on Cadigan. Cadigan was just on fire. But yeah, at least at, at least they tried to do something, you know, with it. Yeah, and look, Porrick Walsh, in fairness, again, testament to the man. He has played practically everywhere for Kilkenny now since he's yeah. come in there. Wherever they see a fire, they put him in to put it out. Um, but Cadigan was untouchable for long periods of that game and yet he had a massive wide when the game when yeah. Cork were on their big and, comeback yeah. and Harnady too and it was too. a routine score yeah, yeah. Harnady had a terrible one score. Yeah. yeah you know Cadigan especially the form he was in he scored four I think he'd won four frees you'd expect him to put this over and oh it was a big as you said look Harnady too and it was in the melting pot at that stage because Cork were really on that comeback look from that genius of a goal from, from Patrick Harden yeah that knocked the wind out of their sails definitely there's no doubt about it isn't it mad yeah. that you'd say that uh, Kilkenny won that game without Adrian Mullen uh, flying it without TJ Reid um, flying it with Killian Buckley taking off at half time with Porrick Walsh not really in the game then going back in on Cadigan and getting a hard time they're kind of their their um, main leaders yeah they, they certainly are and I can only imagine that for the last week or two, all that's been drummed into those Kenny players is you're a one-man team. Or, in other words, you know, we're yeah. going to show that we're not a one-man team um, with TJ. Uh, like, and uh, you, you talk about, like, Killian Buckley obviously has, has, has struggled in terms of his his injury and he's not got back to form at all. No, he's not right. Um, Maybe he's not fully He's not fit. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and look, again, credit to him, he's trying. Richie Hogan was essentially 
a masterstroke. You know, he got two minutes, I think, in that Leinster final. It was a complete roll of the dice from Cody, but it worked. Um, and look, Cody's a devil for that because John Donnelly barely featured for the last few games either. And in he brings Richie Hogan, John Donnelly out of the cold, he gets one four of a return. Yeah. You know, how many times have we seen that? Now, look, they're obviously very good hurlers, but you know, he's not afraid to make those big changes. And he wasn't afraid, obviously, we, we mentioned their bench, to make changes throughout the game as well. Um, and, and pull by his off when he when he sees fit. He's ruthless from that perspective. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. Kilkenny, Kilkenny, some of their big hurlers didn't perform. But I, I wanted to get to this point. TJ, 10 frees. Um, but it's what he does apart from that. You know, he, I don't care if he's been marked closely and he's not getting many shots off. But his work rate is just, it's a joy to behold. And it, it is a lesson for everyone out there. You know, for those days that's not working for you, just keep working yourself and do you know essentially do what's best for the team. Because the amount of flicks and blocks and dirty ball that he wins and offloads, um, it's just it, it, it's it's it, as I said, it's a joy to behold because yeah. he's he's just he's so selfless. So I selfless. Just think that's that's yeah, it's it's brilliant to watch. He gets uh, he got he got fouled a few times yesterday, which when he could have scored, I suppose. But Steve McDonald yeah. deserves a lot of credit because he's marked um, Austin Gleeson out of it in big matches as well so like I mean he's definitely the man for that job for Cork yeah, I've marked Stephen a couple of times now and he's tough and he's uncompromising and you know he'll he'll give it to you tough and look I, I actually enjoyed marking him because it's a right good battle and you know you, you could you, you could get that manliness from him and I met him once after that as well and you know we had a good old chat about it and a good old laugh about it because you love you love battles like that. I think that's what we all love sport for when you can come off the field, don't care about how tough you were or even if there was a stroke or two, once you're, you're manly about it, I think. Um, so Steve McDonald's brilliant from that perspective. And look, again, fair play to him. He he had left the panel and looked like he'd almost, his, his time was done with Cork and he came back in and um, you know he's he's worked his way back to, to the top of his game again. Yeah, exactly. So basically, Steve McDonald is messing with you. You could flick him back with the hurl; he won't go down, and you'll just uh, you'll be able to give yourselves each other a few clips, and it's just you're both going to exactly. stay on your feet. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Aaron, because that's exactly what happened between us. <laughs> Aaron Dunphy needs to take note of the lads. You can do this on, and the lads that you can't do this on. Um, finally, a word on Cork. Where did it go from here? Um, do you think Myler will stay on with them? They have a good under twenty team this. Year. Apparently, they had a good under twenty one team last year, but most of the good lads off that have been on, or you know, in there already. Fitzgibbon and Coleman and these lads. Um, it's hard to know. Like I do take it. Like you mentioned the soft centre, but it's it's hard not to say that there was a soft centre yesterday because like yeah. teams they, they got outfought and like teams with teams that don't have soft centres, like Kenny don't get outfought. No, no, that's one thing to pride themselves on. You mentioned Myler. Look, I feel sorry for John because he comes across like a lovely guy. He was involved at Wexford years ago and we used to come up against him and he's a big hurling man, you know, and involved with Kerry, obviously, as well. And he seems a real genuine nice guy. But there has been murmurs out of Cork all year of discontentment in, in, in the camp. And it's hard to see, you know, it's the end of his two-year term. It's hard to see if he can be going back there for a third year. I'd be very surprised if we see him back. Being right. Honest. There's that fella. Um, there's that fella from Cork that was going to get the water for job. O'Sullivan, is it? Is he? Yeah. He could yeah. be a candidate. See, look, I don't know because Cork is a big county, and you just never know what that Cork County board is going to do either. So you, it's very hard to predict who who could get manager down there. Um, but even you see Tom Kenny go in there in the last couple of weeks. You know, very late in the season to be bringing in. Yeah. Um, a guy, you know, and even Darren O'Sullivan spoke about that during the week. You know. He, he obviously knew um, Tom really well, but didn't know a huge amount of his coaching credentials and just thought it was a strange decision to be bringing him in at that, at that time of the year. So, look, again, it's just hard to know. Um, yeah, I just think, look, Cork, they've brilliant hurlers, they've household names, they've good young crop coming, coming through. But, you know, we've said this a couple of times, they need to marry... Um, a bit of physicality along with this silky skills that they have and obviously um, essentially it's, it's it's a half forward line that the you know a toughness you know a bit of mix and match from that perspective and you know same in the rear guard but you would have thought they had someone like that in Damien Catalan but um, obviously at the same time that's Mandarin's perspective they're the one seeing it every day yeah exactly right we'll come back with Paddy Power performance of the weekend
wake up, rise and shine. Winter's gone and summer's fine. Wake up, wake up, wake up, rise and shine. So Paddy Power performance the weekend, the first nomination, and listen, we could probably stop here, is Patrick Horgan. So he scored 3-10. He got the goal that we already described where he picked uh, Hugh Lawler's pocket and caught a ball, almost impossible what he did. He scored another goal off his knees, which we haven't even mentioned. He got a penalty, um, which was outstanding. Actually, incidentally, Brian, these penalties, while the top players struggled with them initially, they're not struggling with them anymore, are they? They're like, I mean, some of the penalties that we're seeing now are, are out of the very top drawer. Yeah, lads are getting used to them now, I'll be honest, you're right. Um, and you are seeing them scored more often than not now. Um, you know, they've got used to that. How far do you have to go back? And that would have been my, one of my biggest criticisms, you know, obviously living it as well myself you know not knowing how far to go back with the ball and it was much more daunting and worried about crossing the line but um, yeah you're seeing more of them scored like the two of them yesterday both of them were top corner both of them were unsavable absolutely unsavable so like I mean you could say that this was the greatest performance in a big game by any player and not and not win um, like I mean I think it was Shamie Cannon in the 2015 final he scored 3-9 out of 3-16 and Galway beat Tipperary that day like there's some people on Twitter saying that he, Patrick Horgan it's not a push to say he's Cork's greatest ever player he's never won in All-Ireland like I mean I don't know how Cor- Patrick Horgan's head will have been after that game like the psychology of playing really really well and losing it's a weird one I always remember like the, the the one thing I always remember if I played well and lost while it took me I got over the loss faster because I didn't blame myself do you understand what I mean like you know he knows there's nothing else he could have done therefore a week or two and he'll have forgotten about this game whereas if you're a big player in the team and you don't perform for your team they're the ones that rot you and you know it takes you a long time to get over yeah I fully agree with your honesty there because that's if everyone is honest and say that deep down that is the truth um, and we've all been there anyone that's played at any sort of a level it's look it's all essentially I won't say all about yourself but look you, you essentially do hurt for yourself or play football for yourself and you, it's your own performance and um, maybe in All-Ireland you'll, you'll take winning playing bad or a county final take winning playing bad but um, essentially you, you always are worried about your own performance but Patrick Horgan look the guy lives for Horgan I've never seen anything like it I met him on a couple of trips and a uh, really intense guy very shy actually um, not, not great to mix initially but this guy is so serious about his hurling um, you know the stories are legendary about his free taking down in down in his club um, you know Glen Rovers and being involved very much so with his club but you know um it's not by coincidence that this guy is, is shooting the lights out time after time. Um, and he's brilliant. And I, again, I saw the debate yesterday. People trying to say, you know, is he the greatest of all time? Yeah, these debates will go on forever because obviously I grew up hearing Chris De Ring was the best hurler of all time. But, you know, like uh, I never got to see Ring as well before my time. But, you know, that's obviously built on stories, you know. So I, I was saying it. I, I'd be lucky enough to turn around and tell my grandkids that I hurled at a time when I saw the greatest. Um, hurlers of any era and we'll be talking about the likes of Patrick Horgan Tommy Walsh JJ Delaney Henry Sheff and these guys they're just a joy to behold um, they'll always cause debates in Twitter or in pubs they're fantastic debates I think it's what makes the, the GA so unique um, but uh, you know you love it and I just think we should enjoy Patrick Horgan when we see him he, and a guy actually that took a lot of criticism from in Cork as well a few years ago maybe um, you know again feeling that he wasn't you know, he didn't tackle hard enough or didn't win enough of his own ball, just was kind of a, you know, your, your quintessential corner forward, but by God, is he um, uh, put that kind of idea to bed a long, long time ago. He's just, he, he is, um, he's on a different planet at the moment. As yeah. I tweeted myself yesterday. Uh, he is, he's he's incredible. And like, I'm, I, I didn't realise his popularity until I went to the Munster final last year, Cork and Clare. And wh- maybe it was just a section I was in in the stand, but 
the car crowd saw no one only Hoggy. A boy, Hoggy was all you would be hearing. Get out for it, Hoggy. Like, you're talking about uh, Lee Han around and Harnady Cadigan wasn't there last year. But, like, there's some top players. Not one of their names were mentioned. It's all about Hoggy. Like, and Hoggy, uh, Julie performed on that day as well, like, which he's become very consistent in his performances despite the pressure on him. Yeah, he's. He's so. Uh, look, as I said, it's, I think it's his nature too. He's so intense and he, he lives for hurling. And he's not a big. He's not a guy for social media. He's not a guy to get caught up in in any type of media. Essentially, he very rarely does an interview. So, um, it's just all hurling, hurling, hurling. I think that's what allows him to, to to reach that performance week in, week out. He's probably the first person in my era since Jodine, the way Cork people have taken him. You know, when you used to hear the the, the Cork crowd chanting Dino. Um, I think he's up there with that level of kind of popularity, uh, affection yeah. and popularity. Yeah. yeah. So, look, he, as I said, um, he, he's one of the all-time greats, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. Alan Cadigan deserves a mention. Look, Patrick Horgan's winning this. We're just going to give a couple more um, nomin- nominations. Like, let's not try and make this into a suspense because we know who's going to win it. Patrick Horgan, <laughs> the same as uh, David Clifford in the football. It was very, very uh, obvious. Alan Cadigan got four from play. He was fouled four times. Um, you know, he hit that miss at the end. Would have been five from play. Really should have gotten that. But like four points from play and, and four should have a goal as well. And should have mm. scored a goal only for a brilliant save by Owen Murphy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that wasn't a. But that was a. He struck that very well, right? Mm, he struck it well. Yeah, a bad height maybe was it? Bad height, goalie height because it was goalie's good side as well. He was getting across to it, but at the same time he hit it a fair shot. Um, Look, you know yourself, you're a forward, I'm a forward, you'd still be disappointed. Uh, you'd still feel you, you should have scored it, but still, same thing, I, I will say that was a save. Yeah, is Brilliant. there any, anybody from Tipperary that we can throw into this? Because, like, I mean, they didn't perform brilliantly on the day. Maybe Shamie Callanan for his goal and, you know... Con- One, two for consistency, but I still wouldn't have him in performance at the week. Yeah, Milani did well on um, him too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Now, in fact, again, Chemi, what he's bringing this year is his work rate. Um, he did win some hard balls and threw out a couple of balls as well. So um, that's that's one thing. But a uh, tip have their, have certainly have their problems. But uh, uh, you had to laugh at Sheedy. I know we're going off point here for a second, but I had to laugh at Sheedy coming out with that line that uh, know. You know, Wexford are raging half savers for the others. I, I was surprised Sheedy went down that road. Like, that's such an obvious old, geez, Yera kind of, you know, this sound yeah. old fashioned thing. I would have thought he was a bit more uh, modern manager to be playing that, that old, bloody old school Carriage, psychological yeah. game. Like, I mean, that, that, that's gone. That's as old as the hills, that stuff. Yeah, you just throw your eyes up to heaven about that. And like he kept these players on the field for so long, he had that big talk. Obviously, he was, you know, putting that match to bed. And yeah, does like essentially quarterfinals and semi finals and final, any knockout game, they're for winning. Like, and I know if lads didn't hurl well, and we we obviously could debate till the cows come home about their half forward line, the lack of scores there, and John McGrath's farm, Bubbles' farm, and all these things. It doesn't matter. Farm goes out the window. It's an iron semi final. If you told and this is no disrespectful to Wexford. You told Tipperary at the start of this year, Liam Sheedy, you're going to win all your matches in Munster, bar the Munster final, and you're going to get Leash and Wexford to get back to an All Ireland final. He'd have taken your hand off. Yeah. So everything else goes out the window for semi final, as far as I'm concerned. I, th- I thought Sheedy was very honest um, in another, like, obviously, he's not being honest in, in making. Wexford raging hot favourites but he says we're where we wanted to be at the start of the year that's not where he's being dishonest it's this bit here we ended up going back uh, we ended up going the back route losing the Munster final did take a little bit out of us mentally it knocked us back a bit so we're delighted to have gotten over that hurdle today so it was, uh, it was honest for him to admit that he had taken a bit out of the mentally and I thought that was evident that potentially that that kind of sting was gone out of him because I, I was worried about Leash playing Tipperary considering Tipperary hammered Waterford by whatever maybe double what they, ha- they beat Leash by and they hammered Clare and they hammered Cork and I was thinking going you know this game yesterday with Leash I was thinking geez, that could get very very messy considering what they've done to other teams but it, you know it, it didn't No no it didn't and it does show though like how brittle Tipperary are at their core yeah. as well you yeah know? potentially um, yeah and yeah potentially and, and yet you can't write them off you know because like you listen to the ways last night Derek McGrath and um, Jackie Turner last night and some of them they were saying you know, it's still very hard to look beyond Tipperary you know no disrespect to Wexford but 
I don't know. I made a bold statement a couple of weeks ago with Limerick and Wexford All Ireland, and uh, I think I'll, I'll have to stick to my guns on that one. Because it was the year after they won the All Ireland, wasn't it? it? Was they were flying it, and it was just that hammering by Galway in the league, and then you're thinking, oh, that was a one-off. They'll definitely recover from this, and they actually didn't recover from it the whole year. Do you, it, no, do you know? And and they have like, but they have their problems as well because even at the back, they're still not settled. You know, they went with Brendan Maron as, as more or less as the the, the free man. And but like James Barry is under pressure, um, you know. Even just the very first score that Leash got yesterday, um, really bad from James Barry as far as I'm concerned. Um, brilliant movement by Aaron Dunphy, ball played out into the space. But like James Barry just dropped off um, Aaron Dunphy and let Brendan Brendan Mara go to him. When you all know, like the best thing to do in that situation is to double team him because Leash had no support in that situation. Right. Um, so I just thought it was not a great very very poor start and it kind of set the tone from from a Tipperary perspective so I think they have their problems at the back as, as well Yeah and de- actually Wexford if we'll, we'll keep this for the preview show but Leash, yeah. Leash allowing Barry uh, free for the puck out and Barry not using it well that would be exactly up Davy Fitz's um, alley I'd Definitely. say Davy Fitz might be a bit annoyed Leash exposed it for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, it, you know Leash probably gave um, Tipperary a little bit of a dry run um, in terms of you know dealing with a, a, an extra defender as sweeper um, and how to use the ball through the lines they didn't do it particularly well um, for long periods of that game and they didn't deal with Leash's ability to hold on to ball and I think Wexford will be even better at that and I was actually at the league game between Wexford and Tipperary down in Wexford Park this year and Wexford won by a point I think it was Noel McGrath was sent off had a big bear in the game but at the same time Tip were really uncomfortable with the way that Wexford set up and the way that they played and if Wexford were slicker on the day they had walked through that Tipperary defence for four or five goals and they have the potential they're obviously a much slicker outfit at the moment they have the potential to do that so it will be how much will have Liam Sheedy learn from that game Yeah yeah it's an interesting interesting analysis so I'll, I'll just name a couple more nominations before we give this to Patrick Horgan so Walter Walsh and Richie Hogan I'm giving them joint nomination because as they say in soccer uh, Brian they're like two new signings right at this stage of yeah. the season Wal- Walter's been nearly written off because he has been playing poorly and Richie's been completely out of the reckoning. And now all of a sudden, and these are two of their main men who have almost been completely out of the reckoning, are now back potentially in good form. Yeah, and like you look at that start of the second half, four of the six forwards are all-stars and all-Ireland winners. You know, so they um, are yeah. four household names. You know, when they're at the top of their game, they're they're fantastic. And add in like Adrian Mullen, Mullen then, yeah. as, your, as your fifth. Like seriously, he's the 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 hot guy coming on the scene. You know, at eighteen, nineteen years of age. You know, so like that's a very formidable forward line that is very honest, that works extremely hard. Um, but look, obviously, Kilkenny's problems um, tend to be down at the other end at the moment. They've lost that that half back line and full back line that they used to have, and that, that certainly have problems down the other end. But look, they can be like two twenty seven is serious scoring. Yeah. I don't care um, if Cork had their problems still to put up two twenty seven. Um, it, it's still serious going. It could be a Kilkenny tip final either, and we could be back to edges. There's two teams dominating it every year. Do you remember? When... <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that'd be the. Definitely the longest bet. Paddy will have to do that up for you now. Uh, I'd say that would be the longest double of the, the, the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Who who are we looking at from Leash then in your point of view? Jack Kelly got official man of the match. He scored uh, two points. Lee Clear kept John McGrath to only a point um, from, yeah. from play, which is a fair achievement. Yeah, and Lee Clear was very tenacious and, and John McGrath looked a little bit out of sorts, didn't like it essentially and Lee Clear just, he was like... You know, he just came out after every single ball, attacked it ball-headedly, knew obviously there was a sweeper there as well, that he could do that and worked it really well. Um, yeah, he was very good now, to be fair to him, very tenacious, as I said. Uh, Jack Kelly got a couple of points, hurled some some decent amount of ball. Um, probably still debating he was man the match, but, you know, look, um, I think it's the first, I, I'd, li- I'd like to know, it's the first time in a very, very long time that you've seen the two losing teams actually get man of the match. Um, it's not often you actually see that. Yeah, true, true. That's true. I didn't even I didn't think about that. Connor Fogarty obviously was excellent for Kilkenny as well. And in other circumstances, you'd be looking at Connor Fogarty to win it. But obviously, it's Patrick Horgan three ten um, goal off his knees 
one of the freakiest goals we've we've ever seen with the catch and the incredible finish and then the penalty to the roof of the net and then 10 points on top of that as well <laughs> like I mean it's just yeah. unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable performance by him you'd feel terribly sad for Patrick Horgan if he finishes up without an all without an all Ireland but I think he might eventually win one um, what age is Patrick Horgan he did another two or three years left would he yeah, he would. Yeah, I think he's he's late twenties now at this stage. So ah, he'd I have more than that. Now. And his game isn't all about pace, anyways, is it? Like, I mean, it's just about no, whether he no. can keep going or whether his family or his job, you know, kind of pulls on him or whatever. But if if his life is revolving around it, I'm sure any relationships he has in his life are revolving around it for him as well. You know, if yeah, that's his the way. girlfriend, obviously, is very understanding. Uh, <laughs> like, like all good women behind any good man. So, yeah, I think um, so. You, you do you do need that uh, harmony in your life too, though. As well. Oh, absolutely. Actually, people need understand that too you know I wonder why some guys give it up and all that like there's a whole different side to it you know we are amateurs at the same time and we used to have a, a really good manager um, <laughs> I may as well name him now he used to be Ken Hogan but he was brilliant for making sure that all the, the women were happy um, you know right. staying in with them because if the women were happy um, there was no problem you know oh we're training Sunday oh no problem sure Ken said <laughs> so like he was he was cute that way keep the women happy and, and there's no problem with the men then well that's it that any inter-county player on the first day it has to go is your passion GEA and if the answer is no you'll have to just drink up your drink and you know that'll be it or else your career could be shortened down that's a fact <laughs> <laughs> right listen we'll leave it that with a relationship advice here we're giving out all sorts of advice in this show we'll, uh, we'll become relationship experts right that's it um, that's all we've time for we'll be back with a show on Thursday um, I'm sure and then the following Thursday we will be building up to the All-Earned semi-finals um, we'll talk to you then oh yeah before we go actually we're down in Wexford for a live show on Thursday week but there'll be loads more details we'll tell you more details about that on this Thursday so we'll do a show then right we'll talk to you then thanks Brian we'll talk to you then good luck The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power home of the money back special and when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so I opened up we were only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of for today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm <laughs>